Well, sure good to see everyone. Hope you're excited about what God's doing in your life and what He has planned for you. It's a shame most people, well, I won't say most, but many Christians don't realize just how many wonderful plans God has for them. And because uh, because the church has overall has lowered the standard and has quit pursuing the high call of God, they started to preach a lesser standard. And because of that, they learned how to have language and actions to live in that lesser standard. I remember when I first started in ministry, I was 19 and blessed to be part of a good leadership team and learned a lot, and then uh, went down to Tennessee when I was in my early 20s. And I found a lot of pursuit of ministry, a pursuit of callings, that you know we were in a Bible college, and everyone there was there to be trained how to be used of God. And I remember one of the big struggles was, for most of the students, was when we pulled out the handbook. The handbook was the rule book. And it had formed over 15 years, 20 years of a school before prior. So in other words, the handbook's been there for 20 years. And basically what happens, you give everyone an idea. This is what it's like. This is what a man of God looks like. This is what a woman of God looks like. And I know you're a new Bible college student. You're here to be trained. So the handbook is to tell you, if you go beyond what is acceptable, you are in trouble. Here's a consequence. You know, for instance, you know, no dating in your first year. Well, what happened is with people, they hear no dating, but yet they figure out ways to get around the system. So the handbook would grow every time someone would try something and get caught. Okay, so... We can't just say no dating. It also means no being alone because you catch people out dating. Oh, we're not dating. We're just friends. We're just hanging out at the movies and dinner places and by ourselves alone, but we're not dating, you know. So the handbook was full of everything people tried to get away with to not meet the measure of what was obviously what we would call a man or woman of God. And what I discovered, especially when I, I became the director and, and of the school, was I had to begin to enforce a lot of the, uh, the standards. Little Miss that welcomed the Bible college, but we told in the school, we sat down and said, please dress appropriately. And, uh, you know, you're not really dressing appropriately. All the young men are oogling you instead of worshiping God. And, uh, you know, and, and have to enforce those rules because a lot of people just don't know. Or they should know, but they don't know. And I'm saying that because when I first learned about praying in tongues, I was in a environment where many people were pursuing their calling, but they weren't necessarily pursuing holiness at the same time. Holiness was secondary to God using them. And I wasn't much different, but that was kind of the the idea of ministry. How do I get God to use me? How do I get more anointed? How do I get more of God? Holiness was kind of the standard, but only from the handbook. For most people, 
If you didn't catch them, they wouldn't stop doing things. Well, when I first learned about praying in tongues from Pastor Dave, I got really excited. Because the way he taught it, I believed it. I believed that I can pray in tongues and it would change me. That if you spend time praying in tongues, you, your future is different. And so I began to pray in the Spirit, and I got excited, like, oh, praise God. I, have a, I got a little bit of a, a secret that I can use for my ministry, my calling, where I'll get anointed, more anointed than these other guys. There's no competition anymore. And that's the way I thought, like, this is extra secret. This is great. And I, I was talking to God, and I said, you know, the way I seen it was I was part of a tree, of the church tree with the fruit being salvation and miracles and all that. And I saw the tree grow to a certain place, but never really reached revival. Never really reached the truth in the scripture that we can do what Jesus did. So from this tree that I was in, I thought, well, you know, the tree, you know, all the years that I've been in church, let me, let me ask you this question. All the years that you've been in church, regular church, lived your life to serve God, has anyone ever seen Jesus show up in a way that every person who came got healed every time the first time? How many have seen that in a church? See, no hands are up. And we come from many different countries in here, many different places, backgrounds. But yet none of us have been in a church that seen that type of walk with God where there was a flow of miracles or everyone who came received their miracle, or there was even a flow of holiness even. Because I've been in services where there was many miracles, but you found out later there was a lack of holiness. Or in services where there was great teaching or great prophesying, but then you found the lack of love behind the scene. How many know have experienced seeing some of that? Well, my thought was, hey, I'm in this church tree, and everyone's going to heaven, but it stopped growing. You know how if you plant one tree, I think in California they have the redwood tree. Is that the one, the giant one? You can drive a car through one of them. And they're, giant, they're huge. They're giant. They're, I, I mean, they're 10 stories high. They're, they're monstrous. But then if you plant another tree beside it, it's going to die because it can't even get to the sunlight. In its design of that tree, it only grows so tall. You can add all the fertilizer you want. Once a certain tree, once a tree reaches its, its height, it's just going to get wider and bigger. It's you know, kind of like us as we get older. It gets, you know. Well, that, well that's like a tree. Trees of certain types only grow to such height. Well, I was in a tree that only grew, and it stopped growing before the miracles of Jesus showed up. And as much as you wanted to fertilize it, it still was never going to go further. But I didn't know that. And my thought was, hey, I'm in the walk of the Spirit. I'm in praying in tongues now. My tree is going to go higher and further, and I'll get to see everything Jesus said and promised, because I got the secret. And the Lord showed, with me, showed me so many years ago, he said, no, that's not right. And the way he said it was, the walk of the Spirit, this is what he told me now, the walk of the Spirit is a different tree than the tree of the church that you've been a part of. 
In other words, it was a different tree. It wasn't to add to the original tree that I've been raised in. It was a different tree. Now, both of them get you to heaven. Don't get me wrong. But one of them, the walk of the Spirit, is the only tree the Lord told me that was going to get me to the revival that God talked about, where the miracles came when everyone got healed, and there was a fullness of holiness, character of God. He was telling me, I can't just add prayer and tongues to the foundation that I was in, because the foundation I was in was never going to get me to the miracles. Is that making sense? That's the thing we have to be careful of today. Because the walk of spirit starts with the spirit. It's built only with the knowledge of God. When you're born again, you received a new nature. How many are appreciative of that? And with that new nature, it um, brought to life your inner man. So now through your inner man that is alive and lit up by the new nature, you can now understand the things of God. You can now learn from God directly. In fact, the only food your inner man wants is knowledge from God himself. Any opinion of man, any good idea, your inner man's not interested. It's boring. To it, it's like eating the bad vegetables that you have to eat to be healthy. It's after only truth that comes and originates from God. Now, that means that if... Um, you know, we take Pastor Dave and we lock him in his room for 30 days and we throw him water and a little bit of bread once in a while. And every 30 days, this little yellow pad comes out from underneath the door. <laughs> we say, now you stay in there. We'll keep you in here. And you just keep giving us that yellow pad, you know. <laughs> the truth. Give us some, something that God gave you. Well, that's the idea of the church is that one man could go and spend 20 years to get a truth, a revelation through from God to him, and then share it, and you get it for free. And I get it for free. It's like, oh, I just gained a truth from God. Now, it came through a man, but it originated from God's mind. That's the power of doctrine. That's the power of truth. That's even the power of pure prophecy, is, and even good teaching. If it came and originated from the mind of God, your inner man will eat it up because it's, it's the food for your inner man to grow. You can say amen if you're still with me. Amen. Well, what's happened for a number of generations is the church has lost its vision as a whole and quit chasing that walk of God where Jesus can show up through us the way he did when he was on the earth. So they began to preach and design a doctrine that, that is from where they're living. How to live successfully in this world and have God your helper. That's the message of the one tree. But the message of the walk of the Spirit is everything you need is going to have to come from God and God alone. So you can spend your whole life going to church, learning man's wisdom, learning motivation, how to be a better person, how to be a better husband, how to be a better wife, how to be a better Christian. But all that came from the wisdom of man telling you how to behave. If you don't build it in the spirit, it doesn't build. It stays immature. 
this is part of the reasons I have a struggle when people say I identify with my spiritual man. And it's like a, a role-playing game. Like today I identify with my carnal man. I'm just carnal, but tomorrow I'm identifying with my inner man. I am who he says I am. I'm a child of God. And I like that, except when you think that's all you have to do. The only reason you're not walking in miracles, my sister, because you just don't see yourself or who God's made you. Just go out and believe and walk it out. And so we send people out, and they're identifying with their inner man, but their inner man hasn't even barely eaten or drinking anything of the knowledge of God for years. And so it's a little immature child that they're walking around in. So they can, you can identify with the inner man, but understand your inner man has to grow up and mature in the knowledge of God. Otherwise, you will stay immature your whole life, even though you've practiced many things. I like to use the example of when uh, I was preaching good one day, and this is all, all a made-up example, just to be clear. And there was one gentleman who came to church and came up in his Lexus, beautiful wife, 3.2 kids, sat over here near, near like where Billy is here in the second row, and they looked sharp. I mean, he was skinny. He was in his 50s. He had all his hair and still had color in his hair. And you can tell he was fit. He ate vegetables. Everyone was dressed nice and behaved, all the kids. A perfect image of a family. And they came to church. He was, let's say, a doctor who, got, who came to church. First time in church, and I'm preaching. Well, the same morning, Rick's on the way to church, and he, he sees a guy on the street. So he promises him lunch. Hey, I'll buy you lunch if you come to church with me. So they come to church, and he smells this, not Rick, but the, the guy that he picked up off the street. And they're over here on the second row, opposite of Billy and, and the doctor, sitting on the second row. And he's in the service. His family's given up on him. He's a drunk. He has no money. And he hasn't showered in about two weeks. And no job, no money, out of shape. And here he is. They're both in church for the first time. Neither of these men are born again, and neither of them have ever tasted life. You think about it. A person lives their whole life in the world. Even a good person, someone who maybe has a heart to help orphans and feeds the poor and spends their life helping orphans in India, in the gutter. Yet that person, if they're not born again, has never tasted life had never breathed in light. Their whole world in existence has been in a world of darkness, of this worldly darkness. Even the good that they're doing is through the world of darkness. See, and, and these two men that are in church are now in the presence of God. And I preach such a good sermon that they both get saved that day. They both come to the altar at the same time. The rich man and the poor man, the, the doctor the drunk, and they come up to the altar, they kneel down, they get born again. That is the first moment that either of these men have ever, ever breathed life. The moment they're born again, just like a little infant when they, when they get out and they spank the bottom and it takes his first breath. Well, the moment that these, these two men got born again, that's the first breath of life that they've had. Now, the problem that I have is that in many churches today, we would 
And I'm talking about from the one tree who live in that one tree. They're still going to heaven. They're still preaching salvation. But the world and the wisdom that comes from that tree is carnal-based. It's based on the knowledge of man trying to please God. This is when you get to say, I believe I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm ahead and not behind. I'm above and not beneath. And God wants me prosperous. He wants me to have... My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm blessed in Jesus' name. Therefore, I'm driving around the rich neighborhood, and I'm calling out that house as being my house in Jesus' name. I didn't drive around the poor neighborhood. I've found the good... You know, if you're going to believe in a house, you might as well believe in a good house. I'm believing in a big house. So I get to choose the house... And I get to believe it in, in Jesus' name. And I begin to make my focus and my heart towards that house. The problem is I chose that house. God didn't say, I want you to believe for this house. See, from the one tree, the principles of faith are taught, but you get to choose where to aim, aim that faith. The only growth of the walk of the Spirit comes from the Spirit. It comes from God teaching you who you are and who he wants you to be. And when that happens, you don't you learn real quick, you don't have a right to choose where you get to direct your faith. You don't get to choose where you live. How many notice that? You don't get to choose who your friends are. You don't even get to choose what kind of ministry you get to do. And see, this is where the church as a whole has been Water down so much because we've made people into your job is just to go win souls and go pray for the sick. They skip over so much scripture about the body and that you are part of the body. And yes, you have a right to pray for the sick. And yes, you have a right to win souls every chance you get. But that's not necessarily your job. Your job may not be to go out and win souls or tell people about Jesus. Your job may be to do something that no one ever notices or no one ever sees. In fact, I believe that God cares for people so much that he would ask one of his believers to spend their entire life, their entire existence, to help rescue just one broken person. One person so broken, so messed up, that it's going to require you to give up everything just to see that person get to heaven. That's how much God loves that person. But if you go by the the traditional view of church from the one tree... You would say, but I should have more people going to heaven with me. I need to do more than just help this one person. I should be doing more. I should be out witnessing. I should be out praying for the sick. And see, there's a whole language that comes from that tree that makes it sound right. But that tree will never get you to the revival that we're after. And so where we have to be careful is not mixing the knowledge that we gained from that one tree in our upbringing and bringing it into the walk of the Spirit and trying to make that fit into the walk of revival that we're after. Because we're not just after revival and miracles. We're after uh, a walk with God that He has designed for each believer, a walk of holiness, a walk of love, a walk of maturity. Not just miracles. So you could say that we're not really seeking after revival, We're seeking after truth in God. Revival is just the sign, the fruit that we're beginning to walk in the truth of God. The lack of what we call revival 
is proof that we're not there yet. And thank God for a church that won't let you settle for second best and make you feel okay about it. Every one of us carry that burden home every Sunday. God, we believe your word is true. We believe it's possible. We know that you're not the one who's stuck. We are. So I'm going home feeling like I'm not there yet. Good, because you're not there yet. Because if we were there yet, our life would totally not belong to us. And every person who came to you, to the church. And this is the funny thing about God. You don't even have to be the preacher to be the authority that God uses to see miracles. And that's pretty humbling when, when you're the reason God could do something and you get no credit for it. But see, that's the, that's the fruit of this tree, the walk of the Spirit, is you don't want credit for it. Because you know the only credit that anyone deserves is God. <laughs> you're not even strong enough to be holy. Not the holiness that the Scripture talks about. You may give out smoking and drinking, but there's another thousand things that you don't even see that God wants you to murder, to mortify, to get rid of in your life. And if you only see holiness as, hey, I don't drink, I don't smoke, if that's your view of holiness, you're missing the hardest part of holiness. And that is losing your own agenda of your flesh. Let's go over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I think, I think the reason I'm sharing this today is because we are in a struggle as a church. We know our, our mission, and we don't compare ourselves to others or judge other ministries. We appreciate, and God appreciates, anyone who teaches Jesus and uh, in salvation. No matter what, if they don't teach anything else, God is pleased with them that they teach Jesus. So we're not in competition. We're not better than anyone else. Our job may be different, that he expects us to go to a place of mortification and death and, and in faith and in maturity that would allow God to do what he wants to do. I'm in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So you are wearing your earthen vessel, this natural body that you're wearing the natural brain, the natural skin, the natural being. You were left in this natural body, and God apologizes and says, I had to leave you in it, but there's a time when the moment in the trumpet sounds, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, this outward body will be replaced, or quickened is a better word, with a new outward body of light and of righteousness as your inner man is. But for now, your outward man is left on you, and that's your struggle. And that's what this is talking about here in 2 Corinthians 4. But it says here in verse 6, For if God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light in the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus, 
So, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. So the same way he created the heavens and the earth. It was dark, and he said, light be. Remember that? When he said, light be, and out of darkness, the sun lit up out of nothing. That is being referenced here in the way you were born again. That you were darkness of a species of darkness, and everything you did, even the good things, even if you were doing it in the name of religion, it was, you were still dark. You were still a child of darkness, made of thoughts of darkness, made of breaths of darkness. But the day you knelt down and asked Jesus in your heart was the day that the same way he breathed light into darkness to create the universe, he breathed light into the darkness of you and created a new creature out of darkness, one that was light. And that's the first moment you took a breath of light. And until that moment, you'd only breathe darkness. And that brings me back to my two men who got born again from my great preaching. One was a doctor, and one was a drunkard. In many churches today, we would look at the doctor and say, man, you're successful. You, have, you're not, you don't not only a good doctor, educated, you're healthy. Look at you. You got abs and you're in your 50s. You got hair and you eat broccoli and your wife is beautiful. Your kids are perfect. You drive a fancy car. You got no debt. Uh, sir, everything you have is what we are using the gospel for. That we believe we should be have healthy families and happy families and healthy bodies and big houses and nice cars and prosperity. So will you please, now that you're born again, I'm going to give you the microphone and ask you to turn around and teach us how we could have what you already have. But understand, everything that man did to be disciplined, to have wealth, to have health, to have a nice house, to have a nice family, to be a good father, all of that wisdom that he has came from the world of darkness. Because he built that all with a nature of darkness. He had never even breathed light or life, not even once until the moment he was born again. So he has no more wisdom on how to get you to walk in the blessings of God than the drunkard does. Because he also took his first breath of life. So every bit of wisdom that will come from these two men is going to come from the world of darkness. The world of men. Why are we letting the world of men instruct the children of God how to be children of God? And that's what's happened. is because the church as a whole has left its vision, lost its way of, of walking like Jesus has walked. It began teaching how to live the best you can. How to be happy, how to be successful, and even much of the focus of faith has turned from, God, what's your plan for my life? Where do you want me to direct my faith? To, I'm going to use faith and scripture and confess, so I get a big house and a nice car, and nice jewelry, and a great standing in this world, respect from other men. I've heard it preached, if you want to see your neighborhood uh, saved, then you can't be the poorest guy in the neighborhood. You want to see your neighbor saved, then you need to be the wealthiest guy, have the biggest house in the neighborhood, the nicest cars. 
And when someone goes through a hard time, go down to their house. Say, hey, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm so wealthy, I'm going to buy your house and give it to you. See, that's how you get your neighborhood saved. That's what was taught. That's knowledge, that's wisdom from the wrong tree. Now we're going to go to Romans chapter 2. And I'm going to read verse 29. Well, we'll start in verse 28. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. So here the Apostle Paul is causing trouble. He's telling the Jewish people that you're really not a child of God because you're born a Jew. And the circumcision in the flesh does not make you a child of faith either. And then 29, he says something. And he is a Jew, or here you could mean a child of God, who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So here he says that, You are a Jew if you are circumcised in the heart, in the spirit. I'm going to read again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So here are two scripture verses talking about the heart. And I'm saying this because this is where your new nature lies. Your new nature is the smallest part of you. And it lies within your heart, your spiritual heart, you might say, or the inner man. And that is the light that was brought into existence when you asked Jesus in your heart. That is the new nature. It's similar to, you can have a a little toy that runs around and does things, but if you take a battery and put it in, the battery comes charges the toy, makes the toy run. Well, the new nature is like that. You had a dark nature, and that empowered you to run only in darkness. And then you got born again. And what happened is in that darkness, God spoke life, and light came out of nowhere and chased darkness away. And that is when your new nature was quickened, brought from death to life. That's when you were born again, and that's when you breathed life for the first time. It doesn't matter if you were older like these two gentlemen who just got saved, or if you were a child. That's the first moment you breathe and breathe light in life for the very first time. And what that new nature is, it is the powerment of who you are. So we have learned in Scripture that the new nature brought to life your inner man. Your inner body was now brought to life because the new nature was changed, came into you or brought, brought into existence. And because you have an inner man now, an inner body that is alive, you can now understand the things of God. You can now hear God and understand God because the empowerment of the inner body, the inner man, is light, the new nature. See, back in Romans chapter 2, But he's a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. See, circumcision was designed not to be the sign that you're a child of God. Circumcision was designed to be a symbol of what happened when you were born again. The little snip that happens 
when you're a baby, and the little bit of skin that's cut off is about the size of your new nature. God reached into you when you asked Jesus in your heart. He reached into you and he snipped off the old nature and brought to life a new nature. See, I'm saying that because many Christians confuse the new nature with their inner man. I'm born again. I'm complete in him. Did you ever hear this or say this? I'm complete in Christ. I'm complete in him. Well, that, that makes the next argument. Well, I don't have to do anything. The only reason, my brother, that you are not walking in the power of God, don't look at me because I'm just a preacher. So, so, you know, many people are preaching from a place they're not really standing in, and that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, I'm going to tell you how to walk in the power of God. Well, you show me first. <laughs> well, no, no, don't, don't look at my life. You know. um, the only reason you're not walking in the power of God and seeing the miracles that you're after and the blessings is because you don't believe. You don't have faith. Pastor Dave always said, a good teacher doesn't just tell you the problem, but tells you how to walk into the victory. Okay, so... We know it's not God holding back the miracles and everything that comes with walking like Jesus. I know the problem lies with me and my own personal walk. Well, how do I? How do I believe? Because I'm believing with all I have. Jesus, yes now, do it. Now. Jesus, you know, when, when we, well, it's, it's the name of Jesus that has the power. So we have to not just say in Jesus' name, it's got to be in Jesus' name. See, how do we go to believing? Now, let's, let's just, how do we go there? And how do we help other people go to that place of believing? Because we know it's not God withholding any good thing from us. When we realize that the new nature is the smallest part of you that helps you understand a little more why you have to grow in the knowledge of God. Because I've had these kind of discussions. Brother Allen, Pastor Allen, you're preaching about praying tongues again and fasting, worshiping. Those are all good, but you understand those are works. That I'm already complete in Christ and you're trying to give me works to try to earn more. And why are you chasing revival instead of chasing God? Well, we're not chasing revival. We're chasing God. Because if we were walking in the fullness of God, revival would be the fruit of it. You know, we can, e- we can easily change the word revival to, we should all walk like Jesus walked. You should walk like Jesus walked. I should walk like Jesus walked. So they would say, from the one tree... I'm complete in God. And they'll give you scripture. I'm complete in Christ. The work has been done. I just have to believe. Just have faith. A little bit of faith. Faith, faith, faith. A little bit of faith. It don't take a whole lot. Just use what you got. Faith, faith, faith. A little bit of faith. You just need a little more faith. What does that mean? Well, just step out. Okay. You know why you haven't seen any dead red people raised? No, I'm preaching messages I've heard over the years. You know why you haven't seen anyone dead raised from the dead? 
Let me ask you, my brother and sister, how many dead people have you prayed for? Maybe that's why you haven't seen any dead people raised, because you haven't even prayed for a dead person. So the idea is the reason you're not walking in the fullness of God is because you just aren't stepping into it. That that is faith. And, and that's okay until it doesn't work. That's an okay message until it doesn't work. Oh, so the reason I'm not prosperous is because I've just been too timid and not believe in God. One lady I know, she was at an auction for this large property. And uh, she bid until she won. I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars or something. She won the property in this bid and said, well, I'm going to use it for the kingdom. So God's going to pay for it. Problem is she had to have a certain amount paid within 30 days. And she didn't have any money. She just bid. She got a paddle and just bid. And she had no money. Was believing God was going to give it to her before the 30 days was up. And then they, you get in a lot of trouble when you don't have the money and the auction's over. <laughs> well, she got in trouble. Because, you know, well, you just, I was believing in faith. I was stepping out in faith because the preacher told me, if you believe, you just step out and walk in it. Well, that works until it doesn't. You go out and you pray for someone. How's your, are you hurting? The Lord's telling me you're hurting. You know, I got the one when I was running the Bible college, I applied to a preacher to get his letter. And I wrote my name. Uh, I, can't, I made up a name. And, and you just got to send them a dollar, and he'll, they'll send you letters every month. And this month, and I read to the Bible call students on what not to do. Dear Brother Allen, this is preacher so-and-so, TV preacher so-and-so. I am typing. This is, I'm, I promise you this is the letter. I'm typing to you personally right now. Yes, these are my fingers typing these letters to you. Hold on. The Lord's instructed me to anoint my fingers before I finish the letter. Okay, I'm back. This was the letter. Alan, this is a personal word from me to you from God. He woke me up in the middle of the night to give you this word. And to prove to you that this is a true prophecy I'm about to give you. I want you to check any of the three questions. Number one, are you believing for a, someone who you love to be saved? Uh, a, a family member. B, a friend. Uh, C, a workmate. Check any one of them. Number two, you have pain in your back. Check one of the three. Upper back, lower back, middle back. And so... I can't remember what number three was. It was very, uh, you're believing for finances, to pay off debt, to, be, to buy something. Just check one of them. Now, Alan, if you've checked any one of those boxes, that's proof that I am a prophet, and I'm speaking directly to you from the mind of God, and I am writing this letter to you personally. Now for the prophecy. Alan, God wants to bless you with an abundance of money. And so I've sent to you a little green handkerchief. I'm just lending it to you. I want you to put it under your pillow and tell God what you want financially. Then in the morning, I want you to send me that green handkerchief. And I'm going to personally pray for it when I get it, that God will give you what you need, what you asked him for. 
Now, Alan, as any good uh, Christian knows that you never should approach the king without a gift. So I'm going to ask you, before I approach the king of kings with your need, I'm going to ask you to send the best gift you can to my ministry that will believe God will give you what you need. Because this is a personal prophecy to you. And I remember I was telling the students when I read it to them, I said, don't ever do this or I'll come hunt you down. But who, who falls for that but broken people? Desperate people, hurting people, are looking for any answer they can get. So we can live in one world, one Christianity that gives knowledge from the tree, but the tree it's his truth from is from this world on how to be successful. The only way in this world to really be successful is to use other people or be above other people. If you own a business, you need to get people to come buy from your business. But in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, God is our only should be our only source of promotion. So come with me then now. Let's go to first Peter. Now see when you were born again, God went reached into you, did an operation. And he snipped off and circumcised your inner man and gave you a new nature. He cut off the old nature and gave you a new nature. So in our world, we have to be careful not to think that the nature is who I am. I have a nature, but that's not who I am. I have an inner man, but that's not who I am. I have a hand, but that's not who I am. See, I have a new nature, but that's not all of me. That's just a part of me. In fact, it's the smallest part of me. It's the most important if you're going to heaven, but it is the smallest part of me. It is the power, the battery that brought to life my inner man. So now when I hear God and learn from God, my inner man has to grow and learn. Why is that important? Because if you confuse the two, that the new nature is complete. How many know that you're not going to receive more new nature than what you got at birth? I have two children, and they were created in their mother's womb. I never seen them until they came into this world. But in those nine months, every bit of nutrients, DNA, everything came from within the womb of their mother. But after nine months and they came into this world and took their first breath, they're no longer connected to their mother. Now they're independent, not connected to their parents, where everything they eat has to come in their own mouth. See, now I would look at my son at a two days years old. Now Harrison, now stand up, Harrison. He's taller than I am. He's 16. He's driving like crazy. Now, when he was uh, two hours born into this world, he was still my son as much as he is today. He's not more my son today than he was when he was two hours old. See, he was complete the moment he was birthed. I can't go into his DNA and give him, you know, son, I'm so unfortunate you got my hairline DNA or my whatever DNA. I'm going, to, I'm going to go in and change that so you get the good stuff and not the bad part of my DNA. 
I can't change that. He's already birthed. So you have a complete new nature the moment you're born again. It's complete. You, won't, you don't get more new nature. I'm praying in tongues so my spirit will grow. And see, if you confuse the new nature with the inner man, you'll think, well, my, my new nature has to grow and mature. No, your new nature is complete. It's the seed. If you cut it open, you'll find a perfect image of Christ in his fullness is already on the inside of you. Well, great. I just have to accept that. That's why I'm not walking in miracles. Because you don't accept yourself for who you are. So just step out. And see, I remember hearing the only reason you're not having miracles is because you're not bold enough. So I thought, well, I'm going to do it. And I can't tell you how many people in wheelchairs I drug out of their wheelchair. Get up and walk. Come on. And, you know, not everyone in a wheelchair can't walk. They just can't walk well. So they'll, sometimes they get up and walk because you get up in front of 100 or 200 people and embarrass them. But they go back to the wheelchair. Is the real sign of a great service that the person got up and walked? Or, or should it be that they went home without their wheelchair? See, if you care about the people and not about what you did for yourself. Hey, I did my job. I prayed for them. Well, it didn't tell us to pray for them. It told us to get them healed. So we have many people who've learned from the wrong tree or the immature tree how to serve God. Well, that tree has nothing to offer our tree on how to walk with God. Because if you mix it, you're going to lower your standards. So I've run into many people who identify with their, I identify with my spirit. And all that you're saying to pray and read the Bible, that's just works. Well, I will tell you that it is work to pray in tongues. It is work to fast. It is work for me, especially to spend time in worship. Because my natural man tries to squirm out of that more than anything. But it's not works like the Bible says works, where I'm trying to offer God, God, I prayed in tongues for four hours, so now you'll reward me with what I'm after. No, that's not the works. It's not a works like that. It's work, but it's not works. See, and if you don't understand the difference between what you received when you were born again, the way you were born again was this. You were completely dark. Your inner man was dark, your nature was dark, and your outward man was dark. And you were all one, a one unified species, creature of darkness. And then you accepted Jesus in your heart. And the Holy Spirit did a little surgical operation on you. And he reached into you and he snipped off the old nature and brought it from darkness into life. Now the new nature, which is complete, it's a seed, it's complete. You'll never get more new nature than the moment you're born again. That's what makes you righteous. That's why when you get to heaven, you're not going to be more righteous in heaven than you are right now. See, the new nature is what makes you righteous. Now, your inner man was connected to your outward body. And they were in perfect unity, but the new nature brought to life your inner man. So now your inner man, with your spiritual body, your spiritual mind, your spiritual ears, you can now know and learn things directly from the world of light, from the mouth of God, from the heart of God, from the mind of God, you can now comprehend it 
and learn it because your inner man is powered by the nature of light. All the wisdom you had gained up to that point was from the world of darkness. The moment you were born again, you went from darkness to light in your inner man. And what that means is now all the information and knowledge that your inner man had previously, even if you were a doctor or a drunkard, came from the world of darkness. But the moment it was lit from darkness to light, it's new. It's like it's brand new, but God couldn't just make it. He had to get it from somewhere. That's why we were quickened. He didn't just, it's a miracle of salvation. He didn't just say, Billy, I'm glad you're here in church. Billy, you ready to get saved? Yes, sir. All right, I'm going to make you a new creature. Oh, hallelujah. The old man will pass away, a new man. Are you ready? I'm ready, I'm ready. And, you know, the Old Testament, they call themselves worms, you know, in the sight of God. So he didn't just find the worm, Billy. Say, Billy, I'm making a family of eagles. Would you like to be an eagle and fly and soar above the clouds? Or do you want to just stay a, a worm eating dirt? Oh, oh God, I want to be an eagle. Okay, Billy, come here. All right, Billy the worm. Come a little closer, a little closer. Splat. All right, Billy the worm is now no longer in existence. So then God walks over to the nest and he finds an egg and he writes with a black felt. Billy on the egg. Now, when that chick is born, he says, you're going to be called Billy. That's your name. A new creature with the name of an old creature. That's not what God did for Billy. What God did, which is a miracle, was he took Billy and he inserted the nature of an eagle inside of him. And then he asked him to live like an eagle, walk like an eagle, fly like an eagle, until the day could come that he could replace your outward body with a new outward body. So in other words, it's the miracle that God was able to take you out of the family of darkness and reconstruct you piece by piece until in the end, and you're standing in the new heavens and the new earth, and you have a new body. Everything about you is from God and God alone. Nothing is left from you from Adam. And he did not erase you. He carried you and protected you through this whole process. It's a miracle of miracles. And where many people confuse the new nature with the inner man, is they say, I'm complete. All I have to do is walk it out. And that works until it doesn't. It works when you pray for someone who has bad knees and they have a healing. And that's wonderful. Praise God. But, you know, praying for knees gets boring after you get a hundred of them healed. I want something more of more substance. Oh, there's a back problem. Come here, brother. Oh, you got a cane. Come here. Until you run into someone who we call our, I think you renamed it last Sunday, but the impossible box, the box, the possible box in God's eyes. And so here you have someone that you go to pray for and the miracle doesn't happen. I prayed for 15 people, knees and backs and sore throats, and they all got healed. And then I ran into someone who had no leg, no hand, who had a child that was deformed, and I couldn't see the miracle. What do I do, preacher? Well, you just need to have faith and step out. 
Well, that's what I did, but nothing happened. See, this is the wall that, that we hit. It works until it doesn't. I need someone to tell me how to go to the place where the impossible is. How do I get there? How do I get to there? Because the tree where most of us learned about God is limited in how high it goes. But the walk of the spirit tree, if I take these two men, the doctor and the drunkard, they both start at the moment they were born again. In other words, the the doctor has to learn who he is in Christ the same way the drunkard does. They both have access to the Spirit because the, the knowledge of their inner man, which was dark, is now light. So all the knowledge it had disappeared. So that's why it must be renewed, rebuilt. But this time you rebuild the knowledge of the inner man from the source of light instead of the source of darkness. So I'm in 1 Peter here, chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2 and 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. So Peter here is telling you that when you're born again, you are like a newborn baby that must desire the pure milk of the word. So when you teach people, just go walk it out, just have faith, you are setting them up to fail like you take a little child and put them behind the wheels of a car. Say, yeah, you can drive. You're complete in him. Go. You are complete in him in the nature. The new nature is fully complete. But you are immature in the knowledge of God the moment you're born again. Because you never tasted light or life until the moment you were born again. The only advantage that the doctor has over the drunkard is the doctor may have more discipline to spend time in prayer and in the word than the drunkard does. But both of them have to grow equally as much because both of them have just breathed life for the first time. The disadvantage to the doctor is he may think, I've already got all those things. I've got all the promises of God. I've got a great family. I've got prosperity. I've got a great job. I've got health. I don't need to spend time praying or believing because I have it all. But all that he had came from the world of darkness. So where we have to grow is in the knowledge of our inner man. Your inner man, the moment you're saved only grows in the knowledge that originated from God. Anything other source, any other source of man, of wisdom of man, even the good, is not feed the inner man. That's why you have many Christians who spend many years in seminars seeking God how to grow the church, how to be better husbands, all those things, still are immature. Because if they don't feed the inner man the knowledge of God, it stays immature. And that's why in verse 2 it says, The newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And part of the struggle with, that I've seen for us is when someone says, Just have faith, go do it. Just believe, go do it. And uh, that's the reason you don't have it, is because you guys are just sitting, sitting around, spend too much time in prayer. When the world's lost, get out there and do it. 
And I think we can do both. I think we can still focus on prayer and growing and participating with seeing people saved and touched. But to abandon the very source of your knowledge. See, when it says, desire pure milk of the word as a good Canadian mountain boy, I thought, yeah, nothing like a good old glass of cow's milk. Just not the cheap stuff, the whole milk, cold. But see, he's talking like a newborn babe. He's not talking about going to a cow and getting a glass of milk or to the fridge. He's talking about going to your mom and nursing directly from her. Well, the mom here is the Holy Spirit, that he as a comforter will teach you how, how to be who he wants you to be, how to get there, how to, how to walk it out. So we have to be careful that we don't just step out because we say this is a promise of God. Well, where I'm completed him. Yes, you are. But what's complete is the new nature. You are not full of God's wisdom yet. You are not complete in the wisdom. Because if you had the wisdom and the knowledge of God, if, you, if, if I had the wisdom and knowledge of God, then I would be fully complete in all the promises of God. And every person who prayed for me, whether it was a toenail or a deformed child, they would meet Jesus through me in holiness, in love, in character, and in power. So we're not chasing revival. We're chasing the fullness of God in our life. Revival is a sign. The revival where every person who came for prayer for a miracle, received it. That's revival. But they didn't just receive the miracle. They also received love and holiness. They didn't come get a miracle and leave with uh, 14 offerings. Praise God, I got all you here because of the anointing on my life. Now, uh, one preacher said to me, when the anointing's the greatest near the end of the service, and the people all connect to you, when the anointing's the strongest, that's when you receive your offering. And I said, well, isn't that when we're supposed to pray for the sick? When the anointing's the strongest? But see, that's the, the switcheroo. Look at what God has on me. Now bless me. But if you have the character of God, you're going to care more about the people than you do about yourself. See, the fullness of revival is that each individual walking in it knows that they are as important as the next, and they are to be a part of it, which means you have to grow up, I have to grow up. And where do we grow up? In the spiritual man. It learns from God, the truth of God, the truth of light, the knowledge that came from God, and that is where knowledge grows more knowledge. You can't skip this part. You can't just get born again. Okay, you're, 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 you're a good man. Here, go pray for the sick. Go out to the street and tell them about Jesus. Now that you're saved, that's like me taking this doctor who just got born again and saying, here's the microphone. Please instruct us how we can have all the blessings that you have. It's unfair for the church and irresponsible for preachers to launch people out to go find the end of themselves. They'll go out there and they'll run into someone they can't change. And they'll all come to the same question you have. I want all of God, but how do I get it? Well, be like that little baby and nurse with the Holy Spirit because he's the only one who can tell you how you can be you. No other person can do that. 
I'm going to close there. I'm releasing you now. We'll see you at 10 o'clock.